Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each of us. Peace be with you. Friends, for this fourth Sunday of Lent, we have the privilege of hearing what I've always called the greatest story ever told, the greatest of Jesus' parables, the parable of the prodigal son. What is it about this that has so beguiled us? And you know, to this day, I've heard it you know, a thousand times in the course of my life, but you want to hear it again, and you're drawn into its power. Upstairs in, in my house, I have um, a reproduction of Rembrandt's famous depiction of the scene. What is it about that painting? I'm sure you all know it. That's just endlessly fascinating. The details keep singing to us. Painted by Rembrandt at the end of his life when he was a very old man, his eyesight failing. But it's one of the most eloquent, moving paintings in the Western tradition. Well, it's the power of this story. And what a great story for Lent when we're getting in touch with our own sinfulness, but also with the mercy of God, see, that reaches out to us. So let's look at some of the features of this great story. So Jesus tells us the man had two sons. The younger says to the father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. What's interesting to me there is three separate times he manages to reference himself. Give me the share that's coming to me, or give me my share of the inheritance coming to me. Um, me, 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 mine. If the Father is God, now this shows the way a lot of us relate to God. Give me. You got it. Give it to me. I'm missing something in my life. Let me have it. I want to possess your life. Well, see, everybody, the one thing you can't do with the divine life is possess it. Why? Because the divine life is a life of love. <laughs> love means self-gift. It means giving away. There's the paradox upon which this whole story turns. To have the divine life means you have love in you. That means you give away what you've received. Then you'll have it. But in this very paradoxical way, you'll have it in the measure that you give it away. The trouble now with the younger son is he wants to have it as a possession. It's a lovely detail here. It's in the Greek Give me my share of the inheritance. The word used there is usia. It means substance in Greek, but at the time of Jesus, it had the sense of money. Money. Give me my coinage, see? Well, he wants to possess the divine life as his own money. That's the one way you can't possess it. Think of the parable of the talents here, right? The guy that buries the one talent. Well, that's not the way to do it. Rather, you spend it. You receive the divine mercy, the divine love, and then you spend it, and then you get more of it. That's the spiritual principle that the younger son doesn't get. And so then we hear that the father indeed gives it to him, and the son um, wanders off into what the Greek calls a koromakra. And now in, in most translations, you get into a distant country, and it does indeed have that sense. But it's cool what it means. Makra means big in Greek. Kora means like a big means like an open space, an empty space. So he wanders off into the big emptiness. 
it's akin here to Adam and Eve wandering away from the garden into the desert. So the younger son wanders into this big, empty, open, lifeless country. That's the point. It's what happens when you try to turn the divine life into your own possession. That's why, I mean, listen sometimes to extremely wealthy people when they talk about what it's like on the inside. You know, they're surrounded by every possible uh, good thing that money can buy. But often on the inside, it feels like the Kora Makra, the big emptiness. Then it says, when he'd freely spent everything, see, spent on himself, not, not given away in a spirit of generosity, but spent on himself, what happened? A severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. We're not just talking about a, a, a kind of weather report. We're talking about a spiritual symbol. Of course, famine struck. No food, no water, no life. I bet there are people listening right now to me who feel they're in the Koramakra and it's a time of famine. Sound familiar, anybody? We've all been there. We've all been there. I've been to the Koramakra. I know what it feels like. I know when famine breaks out and there's nothing to feed you. But see, the, the, the trick is, everyone, the paradox, the trick is at that moment, that's when you give. See, if you want to be fed, you got to give. If you keep hanging on to things, the famine will get worse. It's like quicksand, you know? They say when you're, you're stuck in quicksand, the worst thing you can do is struggle to get out of it. It just makes you go down quicker. Same here in the Koromakra. So what does he do now in his desperation? He hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. You're a Jew of the first century? What's an unclean animal? Well, paradigmatically, it's the pig. What's he doing now? He's taking care of the pigs. That means he's reached the lowest possible social level. He was, you know, the son of this wealthy, prominent figure, kind of like a prince. Now he's tending the swine whom pious Jews stayed away from, unclean animal. He's taking care of them. He's as low as he can go. To use our jargon today, what would we say? We'd say he hit bottom, right? He's hit bottom. He's followed this addiction all the way to its desperate finality. As often happens, and anyone listening to me now has been through an addiction treatment or 12-step program, you know about this, is when you hit the bottom, that's often when you, as the gospel says here, come to your senses, right? It's like hitting the bottom wakes you up. And you realize, I, I am totally lost. Can I just tell you, those listening now, that's a great moment. That's a great moment in your spiritual life when you wake up, read page one of Dante's Divine Comedy, same thing. I woke up to find myself alone and lost in the dark wood, having wandered from the straight path. Sound familiar, anybody? I've been there. I know what that's like, to wake up and say, I am I am going the wrong way here. Good, good. So the young man wakes up. How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough to eat? And here I am dying of hunger. I shall get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Good. He woke up, and now he's come to what we call spiritually contrition. Contritio in Latin means crushing. It's wonderful. that When your soul is crushed, 
and you realize you've hit bottom. That's contrition. And he's therefore in humility willing to admit his sin. I've sinned against God and against you. I don't deserve to be called your son. That's not a moment of depression. It's a moment of real liberation. Very important. Maybe this Lent, some of you listening to me, will come to contrition, a crushing sense of your own sin and where you've gotten lost. Good. Are you able to say this Lent what the prodigal son says? I, I've sinned, I know, against heaven. I, I've, I've violated you, O oh Lord. I've not realized who I'm supposed to be, and I've struck bottom. Great. Great. That's a good moment. And then, to his great credit, he gets up. See, some people, you know, do hit bottom. They come to contrition, but then they don't act. Talk to um, sponsors in AA programs and all that. You know, this guy, yeah, he hit bottom and he came to me, but he just didn't act. All right, it's time to act. So he comes back to his father. And then, you know, this beautiful lyrical imagery, which still now 2,000 years later stirs us. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him. What does that mean? That means the father was waiting and watching, right? Notice, please, though, I want you to know something. The father doesn't go running after the prodigal son into the Koromakra. No, no, he lets him go that he might feel the effects of his sin. That's a big part of God's strategy. It's not to prevent us in every case from sinning, but to let us feel the effects of our sin. Nevertheless, he's watching. He's waiting for us to come back. While he was still a long way off, Father caught sight of him. Filled with compassion, he ran to his son. That's beautiful. We're going to miss that. But in the ancient world, Old people, you know, full of dignity and years and gravitas, they sat and people came to them. That was the protocol. And, and, you know, we have that too. You don't expect your grandmother to come running out of the house to see you. You come to them out of respect. Oh, but the old man here throwing caution to the wind. I mean, he just, he runs to see his son. That's God, you know, running to embrace us. How beautiful that he embraced him, kissed him. And then his son begins the speech. You know, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. I think, though, it's important that he does get that much of the speech out. What's that? That's confession, right? There's contrition, which is followed by confession in our tradition. God does want to hear our speech of confession. Lord, I I know I've sinned. I want to tell you about it. That's because he's mean and he wants us to, to, you know, bask in our own humiliation. No, 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 no. But it's good for the soul to confess. So everybody, go to confession this Lent. Everybody, listen to me. Go to confession. It's good for you. But the father cuts off the speech, you know, beautifully. He orders the servants, bring the finest robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Let us celebrate with a feast. Just focus for a moment on the ring. What's the ring but a kind of wedding ring, right? When we're baptized, we enter into a kind of marriage relationship with the Lord. Christ is the bridegroom. The church is the bride. What sin but a sort of taking off of the wedding ring, losing it? Well, the Father restores the ring. He's, he's marrying again, reestablishing the relationship. Beautiful. That's what confession does, by the way. 
it puts the ring back on your finger. So they celebrate. The, the son was dead, has come back to life. The, the father rejoices more, right? In one sinner that returns and then the 99 who have remained. Then the older son, resentful. I've slaved for you. And that gives the game away, doesn't it? See, he didn't receive the father's gifts joyfully and then return them with equal joy. No, he was with the father. He was, he was physically close to him, but he didn't get any of the father's life. I've slaved for you. No, we're not meant to slave for God. Jesus says, I no longer call you slaves, but friends. What the older son doesn't get is you're meant to receive the divine life as a, as a gracious gift and then give it back. Are there people out there stuck in a kind of slavish religiosity? You feel God's this awful, demanding commander, and you're meant to slave for him? Well, that's as bad a spiritual space as the Koromakra. That's another version of the Koromakra, you see? Which is why the Father goes out, listen to him again, listen to him. Everything I have is yours. Don't you get it? Don't you get it? I'm giving you the whole of my life, but what you're not getting is you're supposed to receive it and then give it back joyfully. Come, join the celebration. Then he won't be wallowing in in jealousy of your brother or wallowing in a servile attitude. I bet everyone listening to me is one or other of these two brothers, right? I can identify with both of them. Learn the spiritual lesson. What you've received as a gift, give as a gift. It'll take you out of the Koromakra, the great emptiness. It'll bring you back to life. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.